You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Let me read this scripture before I get started on what, what I'm trying to do today. Um, it comes from the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 10, verse 18 to 20. It says, you will be brought before governors, kings, for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speaks, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Jesus is saying here that there's going to be times that as a follower of Christ, you may be called to testify in some capacity for your Lord and your Savior. I had a long time ago, a pastor said to me, said, Jay, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I want to have enough evidence in my life that there's no doubt that I'm a follower of Christ in the challenges in the days that we're in and probably headed into. So in light of that, last week I said, you know, for if you cared to put some type of question, some kind of thought that you would want me to try to answer off the cuff, so to speak, I, uh, and probably 15 or 16 maybe different people put different things in, the, wrote them out and put them in there. And, and I glanced over them, but to be fair, I, I didn't prepare for all, any of them. Um, and it's not to be grandstanding in any kind of way. But your lives, I know, I know this, and you know this. They don't go, or go according to script. And sometimes in our following Jesus, we have to make decisions on the fly. What would Jesus do? How are we going to respond? What are we going to say? Family situations, counseling situations, relational situations. And often there is no script. You don't have time to prepare. So at some point, you have to rely on what God's put in you and placed in you. And, and I, I've been now serving the Lord to the best of my ability with ups and downs at different moments of time for about 40 years, just over maybe 40 years now. I cracked out, cracked open my second Bible that I ever had used. I've had three. I'm on my fourth Bible, and uh, I gave each one of them my first and earliest Bible I gave to my daughter, Brooke, a number of years ago. It's tattered and torn and underlined and ripped and pages falling out. My second Bible, this one is, uh, I gave to Taylor. I took it back. <laughs> uh, it also is tattered and torn, and my third one I gave to uh, Cassidy. And so I'm working on my fourth, fourth Bible. But to be fair, I wanted to... Sam, why don't you come in? 
pick something out of here and um, some I, I did read them over one time earlier just to make sure that uh, I wasn't gonna put it back into the <laughs> thing because I didn't want to answer it so and we didn't ask for names to be written so here's the question that was when somebody out there put in how to graciously speak with people who say they are believers but do not seem to believe what traditional Christians do example the Bible is not real well let me begin with with this at some point in time you're all going to have to make decisions regarding what you believe about this book. Like, like you have to decide. You have to have a, a starting point. And if you are not anchored into this book, you might be blown around like a wave on a sea. So for me, and it's taken, well, it hasn't taken, I'm going back to the earliest days when I was not a believer. I did not grow up in a Christian home, had no knowledge of the Bible. So when I became a Christian, obviously the Bible became something of an anchor for me, but I did not know any of it. I'd never read it through. I did not know its stories. I had no foundation in God's word but over the years early years and you and this will be part of the answer to the question over the early years I began to grow as I got into the word of God began to memorize scripture put, put myself in places where I was allowed to learn and ask questions not to the people that God surrounded me with were not angry people. They were not judgmental people. They were not condemning people. They allowed me to pursue Jesus um, with freedom to ask questions and have doubts. And over the time, I began to build a foundation of trust in God. And that becomes a second and third and very important. What you believe about the God of this Bible. What you believe about the God of the Bible. There's lots of gods. Everybody proclaims a God. There's all kinds of things that you can put your faith in. People say is God. So that's why I would tend over time and in the early years. I speak to about my God as being Jesus the Lord. The son of the living God. It's very definable. It's not a God. It's he is God. And I've learned that God is good all the time. And no matter what outward circumstance and situation is confronting me, I believe with all of my heart that if I submit it to the Lord, that I will grow and I will be better and I will be stronger 
in following Jesus. Now the question, how to graciously speak with people who say they are Christians. I think the question is very important. You always have to speak with grace, seasoned with salt. I like to use the words, speak the truth in love. Truth can be harsh if you come at it very angrily or very dogmatic. You're very, this is the way it is. There's no other way. And you must believe like me in order. To, it's not going to win friends and influence people. Grace is a big thing in my life. And I've been able to learn about grace through 40 years. Grace is the only thing I know what to do with. And so my debt to God, I have all kinds of sayings, as you know, in my own little heart and mind. I, I, I live by some of these. My debt to God is payable to man. I recognize that what Jesus has done in my life over 40 years is absolutely miraculous. Hardly a day goes by, and some do, days do go by, but hardly a day that I am not grateful for the life I get to lead. Graciously speak with people who say they are Christian. Well, I, there is a, there is a little, I'm going to presumption there that you know who a Christian is and they should be defined in a certain way. When you travel the world and you begin to experience different cultures. Remember, the biblical worldview trumps our culture. Transcultural tra truths go beyond just what is comfortable for you and I. So, it, so this Bible that I put my faith in, the inspired word of God that I believe is true and accurate from God, because if, it, if the God that I serve is fair and just and righteous and merciful, he's not going to lead me astray and pull the wool under, under my eye, over my eyes, and he's not going to dangle a carrot in front of me and then yank it away at last moment and say, just joking or just fooling. So I believe that he is working for my highest and my best, because that's my definition of love. If I'm working towards someone's highest and best, I'm loving them the best I can. The worldview and the biblical view are often at arm's length. They don't come together. So when you're talking about people around the world, you know what? You could go to a lot of cultures and you're going to go, and I've been there and I've been in missionary moments and times over my life that people say, that, that woman is not a Christian. Or that man is not a Christian. They're a different culture. They're expressing their, their language differently. Their, their, their physical manifestations are different. Their expressions of love for Jesus are so wide and varied. And, and some are jumping and rolling and swinging off chandeliers. And so that's just great. You know, like, like, and they say, well, that's, or some are very state and quiet. And they may not have an emotion in their body. Who say they are Christians but not seem to believe what traditional Christians do. I, I'm not sure what I, I would understand what a traditional Christian is because if you go back to the New Testament, some traditional Christians are praying for the sick and seeing them healed all the time. Some are giving, 
selling all their property and laying it at the apostles' feet. Some are traveling the length of the world to share Christ everywhere they go. Some, some died. That's what the early church would have seen. I'm not sure that we can... And don't get me wrong, I, you, you, there's an understanding there. I understand, I think, what the person's saying. Is there a definable way to understand if somebody's falling? I'd say that's very, very hard. In fact, in some moments of time, I would say that you could never... And, I, and some of these things, like, I'm not prepared, so you know I'm, not, I'm just not following the script here. I don't think you can ever judge somebody's life by what's happening in the middle of it. Follow me. You can't judge somebody's life by what's happening in the middle. What? Well, I appreciate that. That's, that's cool. Rod, I don't know why you didn't clap, but I, you know, yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, you know, we need some affirmation here, you know. Um, but do you understand that? You can have an up and ups and down moment. You can be serving Jesus with all your heart and giving and celebrating and something happens and it just knocks you down. And somebody comes in and goes, well, listen, if you were a real Christian, you wouldn't be in that situation or you wouldn't be thinking that or you wouldn't be falling for that. You wouldn't be acting like that. Wait a second. I almost could say that about anybody at any point in time in anybody's life. You shouldn't be acting like that as a Christian. We all, we all, I, I, I use words very carefully in the years, and Jody would tell you that. I, I, I've kind of, and I know there's, there's words that mean things, and, and they mean what they say, and I use them, try to use them particularly. But I've replaced sometimes the word failure. You're a failure. I don't think God sees people as failures. I, I don't see people as failures. They may have had a failing moment. I, I try to use the word frail. I've replaced the word failure with frail. I see people as frail around the globe. People I meet with. And when you see people as frail, it just changes your attitude toward them. It changes what you think. The value of something you attach to somebody is. They're not a failure. You don't have to, I don't have the power to condemn anybody. I don't have the power to judge anybody. Oh, but pastor, by your fruits you shall know them. Those are dangerous words to say. Those are very challenging words to say to anybody. By your fruits, you will know them. Because the fact of the matter is, it is sin to fail to do good where you see you can. That's sin. That's the sin of omission. We always focus on the sin of commission. They did this. They failed there. They're frail there. They're, they're, and, and, and they made mistakes and they're, they're living a life. As, yes, it is. It's true. You're right. They need Jesus. We all need Jesus. It's just as large a sin in my 
perspective. The sins of omission, where you fail to, the Bible says in Hebrews, where you fail to do good, when you know you have the capacity to do good, is sin. And the wages, Romans says, of sin is death. Not just the, so how do you measure that? So when you say, oh, pastor, you shall know them by your fruits, okay? You just passed by somebody who needed you. You ignored them. You did not stop. Good Samaritan story. You did not stop. You did not take time. You did not, you were in a busy schedule. You had to get to the prayer meeting and you couldn't help the person lying on the side of the road. You're spiritual. Lord knows you needed to, you need to get to that prayer meeting because, and you had no time to help that individual. You just failed to do good. That's sin. By your fruits, you'll know them. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait a minute. If you're, if you're going to judge and condemn somebody by the fruits that you think are what they should be doing in their life, and you don't look at your own life and the thing, and you don't know what the Word of God says, so it's really easy to be a self-righteous follower of Christ. Oh, I know. I, I, I. You, you may be in more danger than the person that doesn't know Jesus at some point because you ought to know differently. You ought to respond differently. So graciously speaking with people who say they are Christians but do not seem to believe what tra traditional Christians do, that's a, that, that has some challenge for me. I, I've long ago, and if you've spent any time with me and you've come and asked for advice, I, I many years ago decided I am not, I do not give advice. You say, well, pastor, you're the pastor. I, I don't give advice. I, I would never give advice. I give advice to my wife, but she ignores it. That's the only person. Sometimes I've tried to give advice to my kids over the years, but they've watched Jody, and they ignore it too, you know. Um, I would give options. This is how I see it. You can choose to continue to live in the sin and be marred and tangled and not experience freedom. It's up to you. It's not up to me. You have to make it. You can, you can choose to embrace what God's word with. You can choose to ask for forgiveness and repent. Or you could just choose to be indifferent and not care about anything. Just go your own way. That, that's, that's on you. But there's certain choices and options that if you follow the word of God are going to lead you to a life of love and mercy and grace and experiencing the fullness of God. Whereas another life, you know, you're wondering why you're always failing and falling down and frail and all those things. Well, I'm going to live how I want to and then somehow just kind of go through the motions of being a... I, I, I don't know. I can't ever tell anybody when they come through the doors where their hearts are at. The Bible actually says you don't even know the motives of your own heart. There are moments of time that you are, you are moved to this. And, and what has begun in the spirit, Galatians talks about, has now ended up in the flesh. You began really strong and really well and you're focused and you're going forward, you're moving through it and all of a sudden you go, but now a little bit of pride gets in there and a little bit of you know, success feeling and you want to pat yourself on the back and hum humility kind of, like, and false humility is kind of woven into that and you kind of look good and, but, and you kind of, yeah, I don't know, I'm no, I'm no good. No. But you so there's all kinds, 
Only God knows the motives of a person's heart. He reads accurately your hearts. So you can fool me all you want. It doesn't, I, I can be fooled. It's, I don't mind being fooled. Like seriously, it's, if I could say, it's no skin off my back if you try to fool me. <laughs> fool me, I don't care. You, you, know, you can tell me half-truths or lies or whatever and, and misrepresent yourself and be just, it's not going to hurt me. But pastor, you know, you might be taken advantage of. Jesus was taken advantage of, and he knew everything. What if I'm taken advantage of? If I'm taken advantage of for the purposes of God and for his goodness, and I know I'm allowing people a, a pass and trying to love them and care for them because I still believe God has his highest and best in store, and, that, and God values that person more than anybody at that moment, well, then that's what I'm going to do. And if you can tell me that I'm silly for doing that or you're going to be a mat, of course. If you didn't want to be a mat, don't go into ministry. <laughs> when I say that, but I love ministry. Being a mat is, you know, the Bible talks about things, those things. It's, it's very clear. You're a servant. The greatest of these are, you, are, are the, those that serve all. You're a servant of all. Like, like somehow we don't appreciate a lot of the service side of things in our, because it doesn't look successful or success oriented. You can be, you got to redefine everything that the world sees as important when you're looking at people. Many years ago, we were doing Bible studies for, if I mentioned their name, you would, most of you would know who they are. They were the toast of Toronto for a time. Very and Jody and I would do Bible studies for them, this couple. They're great people. Wealth beyond imagination. We'd, one night, I, after a Bible study, I left their place and was heading home. And I, I got to pick up somebody on the side of the road that was hitchhiking. I used, no one hitchhikes anymore, but when I was a kid, you hitchhiked everywhere. And, and even up until, you know, 30 years ago, you probably could hitchhike and be fine. And I picked this young man up. I said, where is he? Well, he had a little one-room apartment over top of a gas station, lived alone. So what did I get to do all the way home? I drove, I shared Jesus with him. One moment I'm in this palace sharing Jesus, and the next moment I'm with a pauper sharing Jesus. We all need Jesus. We all. So there's no one in this room, in this tent, in this space that is better than anyone else. I've tried to, at moments of time, live the best I can in this kind of understanding. If you ask the staff, now there would be maybe a little bit of debate depending on who you talk to. I didn't start with a joke. I just saw Craig back there and I realized I did not start with a joke. There was a man, unknown man, who bought a horse. To get the horse going, you had to say, praise the Lord. To get him to stop, you had to say, amen. The unknown man, the nameless pastor, got on the horse. He said, praise the Lord. And the horse took off in a gallop. He was just going 100 miles an hour on the horse. All of a sudden, the cliff was there just in front of him. 
and he had forgotten the word to stop the horse. And as he was going to the horse, he was asked, God, what's the word? What's the word? And finally it came to me. He said, amen. And right at the precipice, it stopped the horse right at the cliff's edge. He said, amen. And, and then he, he said, whew, praise the Lord. <laughs> horse jumped off the cliff. Anyway, I go back to the, <laughs> the really important part is that even in my role as pastor I, I, here and and I, I try to say this with all due respect to every other peop, everybody else's thoughts I, I am only part only part of the whole team not even the most important part when we sit around I everybody has a different role we're all parts different parts of the body I know my role as the senior pastor here, but that, that, that does not make me more valuable than anybody else in this place. It doesn't make me more valuable than the staff that works with me. They have different roles, but they're just as valuable. Without any of them, none of this happens. Without any of you, none of this happens. So you look around, you see people, and I, I love doing what I'm doing, but I know it's my role, and sometimes I make decisions regarding the buck stops here, but, but I allow the staff and others to speak into my life, and I am not the supreme authority. I don't have all the answers. You try to live by grace. You try to live out your life based on... And the best person to look at deeply, you want a deep dive into something? We talk about deep dive. Deep dive into Jesus' life. I mean really deep dive into his life. There's all kinds of things in the Bible that you can look at and you can gain understanding. But I'm telling you, deep dive into Jesus' life and all those other characters are going to be reflected in the life of Jesus. Jesus is the... You, you see how he act. You see the stories he tells. You see the people he heals. Ten lepers, centurion's son, heals blind eyes. People that didn't follow him or choose him. You love people no matter what they believe about Jesus. You, believe, you love the Muslim, you love the Hindu, you love the LGBTQ, you love the politicians, you love the everybody from every kind of color of skin, every kind of language. It's when you deep dive into Jesus, you don't have to worry about who's faking you out as a real Christian and who's not. You just love them. All, many years ago, and I'll close with this, um, you make a decision about evangelism. How to care for people. The property, the, the people you let come and go, and onto the property, all those. And I have a little passion in my heart that you don't have to be like me, think like me, act like me to be loved by me. But if you hang around long enough and you think that how I think and 
how I act and what I believe is important and it maybe leads you in a quest of your own, I'll tell you. I'll tell everybody that I get to tell everybody about Jesus that I can. But this, but see, even, even the God who called me out of darkness of a home of alcoholism and, and rejection and brokenness, all those things that were once part of my life, they no longer impact me. It gives me great hope to meet anybody at any time in their life because it's not what's going on in the middle of their life that counts the most. It's what, how they end that matters the most to me. I want to end well. I want to do my best every day I can and live a healthy life, live a strong life, live a, a godly life. I don't try to take myself too seriously. I'm pretty, I don't know, I probably just like you. I am just like you. Trying to make it through some challenging days. With the love and the help of my brothers and sisters, we can do this together. Very important to be part of the family, a family somewhere. So you may be here for the first time or you may have been here for 26 years. You're part of our family. You don't have to look like us, think like us, act like us for us to love you. If you're battling different moments of time, different frailties and failures, you're welcome here. We won't kick you out. We won't leave you. We won't. Some may not always treat you right here. Can't guarantee that, but don't forget they may be going through some big, big battles and frailties and challenges as well. You never know what the other person is facing. All I can tell you is that we're trying to do our best to care for every single person, whether they're a traditional Christian or one pretending to be a Christian. Amen? Well, that wasn't so bad, I think, I hope. I don't know which one I'll pick next service, so got to pick a new one. Let's, uh, let's close in this Summer of Love session with a word of prayer, and we'll just move forward from there. Father, Thank you for our time together here, Jesus. I know, God, that you're working in all of our hearts and lives. Whatever stage we might be in, we may be brand new to the things of faith. We may be exploring the things of faith. But if, we are, if you're here exploring the things of faith this morning, it's not accidental or coincidental. God has led you here. God is moving you toward his own side. And, and I pray that you continue to explore and seek after him, and he will make himself known. If you're being challenged in the middle of your life and you're feeling like you're just failing, don't put that out of your mind. That's, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1 says. Ask the Lord to help you, give you strength, renew you. Get into the Word of God. I pray, God, that there would be a resurgence in our assembly for the hunger and thirsting after the Word of God that we would know it and we would know who you are. We deep dive into the things of Jesus. We study the Gospels. We'd see how he acted and lived and the small nuances of his life and the people he associated with and called, connected to, Lord, that they're just like us. I pray blessing upon everyone here, Father, this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Son of the living God, fall afresh on us, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody say...
You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. Mm-hmm.